0: Is out. I hope for the kids they remember this because they're going to enjoy knocking stuff over. But I hope it's also a visual for you guys as you guys continue to realize what we build on. But we're going to talk, no offense, a little bit deeper of what Jesus is really doing, but it is a good representation of what's going on. So we're going to be in Matthew 7, dealing with 24 through 29. So before we begin, let's pray and uh, excited to uh, deal with today's uh, beautiful words of God. Let's pray together. If there any father, thank you so much for who you are and what you're about. Thank you for showing us the way to live in the Bible. Thank you for this family together to be able to, to laugh. And thank you for the legacy of passing out Bibles a long time ago, and keeping that tradition alive as we are investing into young people and excited for that. I'm so excited for today just to be able to be with fellow believers, brothers and sisters in Christ as we continue to walk uh, in step with you. But may we build our house on the rock. In Jesus' name, amen. I am telling you, uh, I want to jump right in. This is Matthew seven twenty four through 29, uh, but I'm telling you, Matthew 7 is just full of stories after stories, and it is exciting. It is, it is powerful. It's the stories that you had heard. And so getting up to this point, if you just say the story, this is what's amazing about the Bible, that you could take away just that story. You could take life lessons, but Jesus is doing something so much, there's stuff built up, leading to the story of how to live it's just not like build your house on the rock well what does that all entail what are jesus's words what are those so let's take a look just at matthew 7. matthew 7 uh, begins uh, in verse let's start in verse 1 in matthew 7 and if you have your bibles you can uh, be focused and i'm just going to be going through here quickly i wanted to say this this is why I, i'm a little hesitant each of these stories could be their own sermon or sermon series in and of itself. So I'm not giving the proper due, but I want to build up to what this story is because I think that's the best way to see the story as a whole. Matthew 7 starts in verse 1. It says, judge not that you, not, you be not judged. We've all heard that. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Most of us have used that. Most of us have heard someone say that. Some of us have even heard people say that out of biblical context and used it improperly. But uh, just even in this, it, it, this is the process of the facts that we cannot pass judgment on other people's motives. We can examine people's actions— We can examine people's, the way their attitudes are, but we cannot be in charge of judging their motives. Uh, Because God is a just God, is the only one that can truly see their hearts. Have you ever seen someone do something good, and then find out later their motives were unpure? Like... We at times see, oh, that is so good, that is so nice, and then find out behind the scenes there's something else totally going on and how quick we are to judge. Or how many times have you seen someone not being able to like, succeed or whatever and you're being like, oh, they're just not. But all of a sudden their motives are pure. They just, it hasn't worked out. Like just because we see something does not mean the heart. That's why we have to be able to be able to let God be the ultimate judge, not us. Now I talked about this a little bit because we get mistaken a lot because of the word judge. We there are times where we have to assess situations. I used this example a couple of weeks ago. It's like, because sometimes it's like, don't judge me. Like we we act like that. It's like, well, I have to judge some situations. If I'm getting into a car with a drunk driver, I have to say maybe that's not the best decision because that's not wise you know I have to assess the situation and so it's not saying that we don't have to like look at the situation but we have to let the ultimate judge be God because he is the just and holy God let's skip then to Matthew 7 he says then ask and it will be given to you seek and you will uh, find knock and it will be open to you for everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks it will be opened man that's another one how many knocking the door will be opened? how many times have you heard pastors use this and this is building this is what jesus is doing he's doing it's just building up to all this kind of stuff it's a spiritual maturity and discernment we have to keep seeking and asking and knocking on the door for god's will not our own God will meet our needs. You know, I find it really interesting. Some of us will invest so much. Like, we'll invest four years into college. Some of us seven. And that's not even getting the doctorate. That's just trying to get through. You know, like, some of us, like, we'll invest time. How many of us invest so much time at work? How many of us invest so much time into maybe it's video games? whatever it is for you, I know you, Donna, you stop playing those video games. Uh, you know Whatever it is, we invest so much time, even if it's a, a good thing, college. I, I'm doing seminar right now, and I'm, I'm investing in all that. but if it wasn't seminary, it's like, am I investing that time into God? Am I, am I seeking God? Am I knocking at his door that way? I invested in so much other stuff. God's saying, "Seek and you'll find me. Like, it's not like I'm hidden. Like, I I will be there if you seek. And a lot of us, think about how many people you've heard, like, God's not showing up in my life. Like, really? Because you aren't seeking You aren't seeing it. So God said, and seek. Let's jump to uh, 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 Matthew 7, 13. It talks about entering it by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. The way to life can be narrow, hard, difficult, and costly. We don't like that. Here, here I'll say it better. I don't like that. To be honest, the flesh does not like that. It doesn't. I don't like things that are costly. I want things that are easy, like look cool. (laughs) Like, it's opposite. But the Bible's saying that's not what life is. Shocker, what the rock is coming up. We are allowed to walk that path of being the broad, And to keep our baggage of sin and worldliness. If we walk that way, that's what we keep. We keep that baggage of sin and worldliness. But if we enter the narrow gate, we must give up those things. We must give up our baggage of sin and worldliness over to God. And Jesus is saying, even in the scripture, it is difficult, but we cannot walk down both roads. This is what us, and I'll get into this a little bit, we as humans are really good at making, make believe of a third row, like a third row. Like, oh, I could be here, here, but I'll just be right in the middle. Like, there's times where I like this, and there's times, we're a pick and choose. I want heaven, but I don't want to give this up. I don't want to have to do this. Like, I don't want to have to tell my friends about Jesus because that's vulnerable. That's hard. I'd, I'd rather just do this, but surely I what the two roads. And it gets even harder. This one, Matthew 7, 21, has been dissected and dove in so much. It's not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of the Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Man, that's why uh, when I first got here, like, God know me. Know, who, know my name, because I want to know you. Like, it's saying, people will say, Lord, Lord there's this, this issue. But Weersby says this. Obedience to the Father's will is the test of true faith in Christ. True faith does not say, Lord, Lord, as if believing, but then disobeys the Lord's command. I love, oh, like, you can't say, like, Lord, Lord, like, yeah, I'll do this, and then don't, totally do that. Don't do that. That's not truly living it. That's not true faith. We can easily learn the religious vocabulary and even memorize Bible verses and religious songs and yet not obey God's will. Those who are truly born again have God's spirit living within them. this is from Romans 8, 9. It says, and the Holy Spirit enables them to know and do the Father's will. God's love is in their hearts motivating them to obey god and to serve them this all leads up to what your life is built upon and that is the rock or the sand so these are all just like i said sermon series to come (laughs) diving deep but i wanted to give you a snippet of what jesus is talking about before this story what is going on before the story he's not just laying like hey you build your house on this rock we're cool You know, like, build it on me. Like, he's actually laying out how it is to live your life on the rock. He's not just saying, oh, that's... So, let's dig through. Matthew 7, 24 through 27. Where we're at today. It says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rains came down, and the streams rose, and the winds blew, and beat against the house... Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on sand. The rain came down, and the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. I love, before we dig into the the points I have today, Wiersbe says this. The Lord was illustrating one main point. Our uh, profession of faith in Christ will ultimately be tested before God. Those who have trusted Christ and have proven their faith by their obedience will have nothing to fear. Founded on the rock, their house will stand. But those who have professed to trust Christ but have not obeyed God will be condemned. Point number one, rock. Rock. You know, the rock. Author R.T. France says this. It's talking about the story being a make or break choice with eternal consequences. He says this. It is Jesus himself who is the key to the choice. It is his words and not, as one might have expected, God's words which must be done. Indeed, To do Jesus' words, there seems to be equivalent of doing the will of the Father. So Jesus' words and God's words are connected. And doing the will of the Father in heaven, in verse 21. To ignore his words, therefore, will result in total spiritual disaster. Jesus is the rock. In seminary, it's talking about That I'm taking it was talking about this week in which I loved is you you want to know God the creator you want to know the God of the universe more know Jesus if you want to know how humans are to live or to be you need to know Jesus you want to truly love people properly and not this fake love that we call today you need to know Jesus. Jesus is the rock. Matthew, right here, is also noting he's talking to some of these fringe people on, on the church or in the audience that there is no more guarantee of salvation for being in the church, just as he had talked about to the people that had said, Lord, Lord. So he's calling out. You could be in the church, but it doesn't matter. You could call it out. He's calling out these reform or those who even perform miracles. and they, It all comes down to. This part of doing what Jesus has now set out before him. And I'm not saying like you have to do something to earn salvation. That comes through Christ alone. But I am saying this so many times. People can say something but it being nothing. Or do. There is this interaction of, of what your life lives like with Jesus. That's why Jesus talks about fruit. That's why he talks about what it is in your life. So... You know, what what does that look like in your life? Someone could say all the time, it's like someone could get up here, get married, they they get married, and they have they're like they say the vows. But what happens if you found out right away that the husband was cheating, having an affair? over and over and over again. Would you say that he loves her? Would you say his life lived that way? You know what's really funny is I saw all the kids that are paying attention shake their heads more than the adults. Because they know. No, that's not right. They know that's not right. Now, that person, and I'm not. this is not the salvation. That person is in the hands of God. That person, like, I don't, we're not talking about that. But that life, how you live, matters. What you build it on matters. And that is built, that is that Jesus is the rock. And do we know him? Is that what we build it on? Do we live our life like him? That is convicting and challenging many times. So I thought I was really creative when I came up with these topics because I went with rock. You know what the next one is? Paper. No, I like it though. It's probably better than mine. Paper. And you're like, what can we do with paper? Well, do you believe the scripture or not? Yes. Gosh, I love kids love kids so uh, because uh, show me the times jesus, jesus it talks so many times about scripture and this is what is so unique in the scripture he talks about two roads uh, he actually talks about so much and they're very contrast he talks about the narrow road and the wide road he talks about being hot or cold and he talks about rock and sand. There's not usually a third way. And the one time he does mention it, when it's lukewarm, spit you out. There's usually only two paths. We don't want that. We want many paths to God as a society. We want many paths to believe what we want to do. Or what we are so good at how, oh, well, and I, I don't, this is why sometimes being a pastor is not fun. Because I have to share with you my vulnerabilities is one is I'm very good at being like, uh, yeah, God, I, I can get around that, yeah. Ah, yeah, like, it's just that one time. Like, I just fibbed a little. Like, you know I love you. And then the conviction happens. But you, but you think about it, it's like, we think we, what's so arrogant and so ho- funny is we think we can outsmart God. Like, literally, in my mind, at least I know I have, it's like, oh, God's cool with it. He'll be okay with it. And he's he's not. But in our mind, we think we can play it. The reason why I know is because my kids do the same thing. And I've seen some of the other kids do the same thing as well. I've seen here's some funny thing, I've seen adults do it too. I've been lied to by adults, and I've seen it. And if you're lying to another human, I can guarantee you (laughs) you're probably. But that's not where we're. And this is this is what we have to make sure that the path is on. We can't the the paper is the blueprint of what you build your life upon and where you build your life upon and what you build it on. It's the rock. It is with Jesus in the rock. It is with it. But what I also say is this helps illustrate how to build your house on that rock. It, it's, a, it's a combination that we can't just go, just can't forget about. And so many of us have not dug in. And so many of us know it, but don't live it out. And that's the challenge that I'm trying to continue to push. It's one thing to know information. It's one thing to know the right answers, even in church or Sunday school or whatever. It's another thing to live it out. It's another thing to actually love your neighbor. It's one thing to say, oh, love your neighbor. See you next Sunday. It's another thing to actually be like, hey, we're going to make cookies For our neighbor, go over there, and it's going to be awkward for the first five minutes because I'm going to try to introduce myself and get to know them at all. And you're like, oh, that's easy, but do we do it? That's a challenge even in myself. Are we living this out to love, to be this, to be the blueprint with the rock that we stand on? And the third and final one, Oh, yes, I like it. Scissors. But I went a little bit different. I went sand. (laughs) Because if you pick sand, you'd never win. So, uh, yeah, I was going to play rock, paper, scissors, but I didn't want to lose to a kid today. And I just, uh, so uh, we went, just so you sort of get it in your mind, you've had this illustration and you had the rock, paper, scissors. You should remember this. Uh, But sand, the parable that Jesus talks about, here is actually pretty self-explanatory. If you just took the story, like I explained it to kids, and most of the kids got it. You know, sometimes when you look at stories, uh, there's not these huge hidden meanings. Sometimes there's stuff that goes back to the Old Testament, all this, but sometimes you just got to read the Bible and let it stand where it stands. God's basically saying, do you build it on a rock, or do you build it on sand? And he's talking about right now, that that this is what it is that the, when there's heavy rains and major flash floodings and what what's really unique is a, uh this story would really resonate at that time because many people there were flash floods in that area there was different areas that their foundations were different than ours you know we have to get inspectors out there we have to get all this kind of stuff like they would it would make sense for them to know what a rock and then actually what sand difference is. Because they, they had known, and they would have experienced that more on a common basis than us. We even get it still today, but we need to know that, that when you're living it out, it makes a huge impact. And the use of floods has been used throughout Scripture, from Noah to Isaiah to Job and to Ezekiel. When it is in your house or when the, it is built on sand, when there is testing... The foundation will fail. The foundation will fail. This is used as an uh, example of final judgment in particular. Uh, but it also is the testing of the discipleship of storms being repeatedly encountered before the final judgment. Have you known someone that has called themselves a believer or a Christian and now their life looks nothing like what it they said it was? I know I do. Totally on the other side. Because they had built their house on sand. They had built their house on sand. They had the wrong blueprint. They had the wrong print. They had the wrong rock. They had the wrong foundation. They didn't have scripture to set up the house properly and the correct foundation. The foundation can only be God slash Jesus. That is what the foundation is. In this view, and to be completely uh, honest, there is no substitute. There is no second best. There is only one rock. I want the, I want to say there can be no substitute. There, they. I lied. Thank you, Joe. You're you're in your 80s, but you act like a kid, and I love it. There can be no substitute, and so many times we try to find substitute. How many? Of, and I. This is what. How many of us can find satisfaction by buying something on Amazon? You can't, but we try. How many of us find, because someone uh, gives us a compliment at work, we find, oh, I'm more self, I find more self-worth. Because people assume that I'm better. Or I got a raise, and now, like, I find my self-worth. And in of themselves, I'm not saying, like, it's, those aren't bad things. Like, you look, King, you had King David, you had King Solomon, you had people, uh, uh, like, in position of power. I'm not talking that those are bad, but is that where you get Rock or sand? Because I'm telling you that is sand. That is false. That is not what it is. And I think many of us have built or are trying to build like parts in the rock and parts in the sand. It's like we want a beach view. We want it. We want the beach view. We want the salvation part, but we actually want the whole like oh I like how they I like how they live their life. I like how that, that looks. And that's a question that you have to ask yourself. Like, where are you at? What have you built your life upon? Have you built it on the rock? Have you built it on sand? Because many of us could say, hey, I put it on the rock, but it's no longer there. I'm going to have the band come up, but I'm, I'm going to challenge you, as they come up, to start processing um just want to make sure that doesn't destroy anybody. Uh, start processing what's your life on? What is your life built upon? And if it's on sand, I'm going to ask you whether to play music to come to the altar if that's what you if you're saying God, because this is what's unique is I. In the, things, in the grand scheme of things, and the grand scheme of things, and the altar is always that kind of place where you feel like people judge you, like, oh, why that person go up? Why, what's what they build it all on sand or whatever? Who cares what people think? Because the, if you built your house on the rock, it's on Jesus and it's knowing Jesus and it's not on sand. Because sand would be like, I care what other people think. Because if Paul cared what uh, what other people think, we wouldn't have. Because what happened last time? What happened last time, last week, when we talked in the story? Paul came in with authority and power, and how'd he leave? In a basket. In a basket. In a basket out of the back. And now he's running from people because Jesus had changed his life. And this is a challenge for us. I challenge us: let's live on the rock. Let's live on the rock. Let's be on the rock not in the sand. So as the music plays, maybe it's in your heart, but I, I, I continue to challenge you, just if it is, just come up here. And I'm going to close this in prayer, and then I will pray with you. I'll pray over you. If you don't, that's fine, but what is so unique is, is you and God. It is you and God. And so I want to give you that opportunity. The altar will be open, and let's sing and praise the Lord.